Good afternoon. Thank you for being back in your place today. Um, we will start with our patch program, but we'll go ahead and read, uh, have a word of prayer, and then we'll start with our patch program. Psalms 39.7 says, And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Branson, would you open us in a word of prayer? Amen. All right, so we're thankful for the kids that have worked hard so far this year and the teachers that have helped them. So at this time, we'll hear from the little mateys and see what they have for us. This time we'll hear from the Pee Wee class. Christ, do 
lastly, we will hear from the sailors, and after that, we'll go into our congregationals.
Amen. Join me in standing. Page 210, Wonderful Grace of Jesus.
There are moments on our journey following the Lord when God illumines every step we take. There are times when circumstances make perfect sense to us as we try to understand each move he makes. But when the path grows and our questions have no answers, turn to Him. Bow the knee, trust the heart of your Father, when the answer goes beyond what you can see. Bow the knee, lift your eyes toward heaven, and believe the one who holds eternity. And when you don't understand the purpose of his plan in the presence of your King, bow the knee. There are days when clouds surround us, the rain begins to fall, and the cold and lonely winds won't cease to blow. And there seems to be no reason for the suffering we feel. We are tempted to believe God doesn't know when the storm the heart of your Father when the answer goes beyond what you can see. Bow the knee, lift your eyes toward heaven, and believe the one who holds eternity. And when you In the presence of your 
Well, it's been a blessing uh, having Brother Gus and his family here with us. They've been helping us obviously work on stuff in the building and even start building a new building outside if you all saw the shed. So it's been a blessing, uh, a blessing having him here. He's even been helping me get in touch with my Mexican roots, roots and showed me how to roof. So uh, it's, it's been a blast having them here for sure. So he's going to come and preach for us. And I just, uh, just uh, be attentive to what the Lord has to say. We're going to try. Amen. When's the, what, the teens? Do they have a... Oh, yeah, don't do... Yeah. I, I mean, I've got the face for radio and the, the voice for those, like, still motion pictures, you know, so... <laughs> I did get carried away and try to sing once, and my wife goes, please never do that again. That was, that was terrible. And so... Amen. But it's good. This is the teens. Do so they have some verses memorized and, uh, and uh, anything put together? No? All right. Well, <laughs> what are you paying that guy for? Anyways, just kidding. He's been awesome. He's been uh, so much help on the building, everything like that. We're, and it's, it's honestly, it's been great uh, just being here. I'm glad you guys found things just for us to do so we can stick around longer. Uh, we've really, really enjoyed our time here and I'm thankful for the opportunity. We're going to be in Job uh, in chapter 32 this afternoon. Job in chapter 32, and, and uh, we're going <clears> to <throat> go through the, the whole book of Job in, in about 30 minutes, so just kidding. There's some things we're going to look through. I'd like to introduce you guys to uh, my favorite character in the Old Testament, uh, one, of, one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament, Elihu. Uh, the Lord gave me this guy uh, whenever I was first called to preach, and, and I had to prepare my first devotion. So the, the notes, the, the core of this message came from the very first devotion preaching thing I've ever done my entire life, and so uh, I, was, I was real excited. I've been wanting to go back to this and preach it again, um, and the Lord finally gave me liberty to do so, and so I'm really excited to introduce you guys to Elihu. I'm sure most of you already know it. Most of us are already familiar with uh, Job, so we won't have to take too much time and background and things of that nature, but um, Elihu, uh, we know in Hebrew that, that names mean something, and in, all the, in the Bible, these names all mean something. There's a reason for it, so Elihu means my God is He. So the title of this message is, My God is He, Who Are You? <clears throat> so if you found your place in, in Job in chapter 32, we're going to start in verse 1. If you're willing and able to stand with me for the reading the honor of the Word of God. <clears throat> so verse, verse 1, chapter 32. So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barachel, the the Buzite of the kindred of Ram, against Job was his wrath kindled. Because he justified himself rather than God, also against his three friends was his wrath kindled, because they had found no answer, and yet had condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited till Job had spoken, because they were elder than he. When Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled. And Elihu, the son of Rachel, the Buzite, answered and said, I am young, and ye are very old. Wherefore, I was afraid, and durst not show you mine opinion. I said, days should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, again for just another opportunity to meet in your house uh, today, Lord, for another Lord's Day, for another day that we get to gather with the brethren and sing your, your praises and to hear from you. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would meet with us again this afternoon service, Lord, that you would speak to hearts, Lord, that you would hide me behind your cross, Lord, that you would do what I cannot do, and Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, that you would just speak to hearts and, and whatever they need to, to hear, Lord, and whatever we need to gather from you from this time, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us. Lord, fill me with your spirit, give me the power to preach, and Lord, we'll thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name pray, amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> we're all familiar with the story of Job, but just so we're on the same page, let's Let's, uh, let's flip through it uh, quickly. We know that, that Job was a, was a righteous man. It's, the Bible says in uh, Job chapter 1 and verse 1, Therefore was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And I was, I was going through Job in my casual Bible reading, and I, I got to that first verse and immediately convicted. It's like, man... Can that be said of me? Am I perfect and upright? Do I eschew evil and everything that I, that I do? But, but Job did, and, and we know that these things weren't, uh, that all the things that beset Job and that he lost, his, his, he lost all of his wealth, he lost his, his farm, his, all of his animals, every, all, all of the wealth that this man had. In the time of this, uh, we, we know that Job is probably one of the oldest books in the Bible. He's, he's thought to be a contemporary of Abraham and around that, that same time. And so at the time they, that they measured wealth, uh, it wasn't with gold and things of that nature, but it was with livestock. And that's why he had so many camels and donkeys and all these things. And he, he loses all of it. And on top of that, he loses his seven kids. His seven kids are all gathered together. And it, 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 it's, it's at the time that he is uh, giving a sacrifice to God on behalf of his kids. This man was, was so righteous and so walked with God. And we also know that it's, that's probably in the time of Abraham because it was before the law of Moses. He didn't have to go to a priest or anyone to, to do a sacrifice on his behalf, but he was able to offer sacrifices uh, straight to God. And, and he was sacrificing to God, and that's when he, he heard the, the news. And, and a servant came and said, hey, you lost everything. And another servant said, hey, you, you lost everything over here. And another servant came and said, hey, your kids are gone too. And then the devil came back and, and went to God, and, and God says, okay, you can, you can touch his, his, his body and his bones, but, but you can't take his life. And so Job had lost everything, his wealth, his prosperity, his family, and then he lost his health. And so Job is in his, his sackcloth and his ashes, and he's scraping the, the boils off of his skin. He's, he's lost everything up to this point, and that's when Job's three friends came along. And Job's three friends, they begin to minister him, well, not really. They, be, they sit there in silence for, for a time, and, and then, then they break the silence. And I, I, I find it interesting that really what, what Job's friends say, there's a lot of truth in what they say. There's a lot of good things that they say, but it's the way that they say it, right? It's the way that they go about it. And it's in this man looking at him, knowing that he's lost everything, knowing what, he, what he's been through and that, he, that he's had these hard times, they begin... Uh, they, they begin preaching to him. And honestly, they do some, some pretty good preaching. But, but Job, in his mind, said, you know, he, he's got some, uh, he deals with his wife. And, and no man that preaches through the book of Job ever just ignores what his wife said to him. But, but we, we often forget that they are the weaker vessel, that she lost everything too, that she lost her, her kids. And she, she's going through everything that Job's going through. And we know that the devil often will try to use wives to get at the man. 
And, and, and so I, I, you never hear anyone preach on Job that don't, that don't hit on the wife there. But, but uh, I, we can't blame her as much. And so he goes about it, and, and he's sitting there, and, uh, you know, what shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. And so, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And, and so Job has sat there this whole time, and, and all those these bad things happened to him. He never once uh, charged God foolishly, or, or, or basically asked God, why is this happening to me, and I don't deserve this, and all these things. But then Job's friends come, and they began uh, uh, preaching to him, if you will. And, and uh, his first friend, um, Eliphaz. So his three, three friends are Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bilidad, the Shulamite, and Zophar, the Naathamite. And Eliphaz speaks first. And each man get about three discourses with Job, and, and they get three rounds, and Job has to answer them each time. But, but they start off, Eliphaz starts off pretty heavy-handed. I look at uh, chapter 5 and verse 7. It says, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. That's true. Man is but a few days and full of trouble, right? And then uh, verse 17, he said, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth, therefore despise not the chastening of the Almighty. These, man, these guys, I mean, what he's saying is true. That's good preaching. Anywhere you're at, that, that somebody who says that, most times, that, 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 that lands. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth, therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, of the Almighty. The problem isn't what it, they're saying is, is false. The, these men, they, they, they were very religious, stoutly religious men. They knew, they knew God. They knew the way that God usually worked in these things. And so the problem is that they went and they presumed what Job's problem was. They presumed a while about all these things that were happening to Job, and they were very dogmatic in that fact. Uh, Time out. I know there's some there's stigma around the word uh, about being dogmatic. There's stigma around that type of thing. But there is some things today that's worth being dogmatic about. Amen. Amen. There's some things today that's worth taking a stand for and not giving an inch of room in any direction. One of those things is the deity of Christ. I've got I, there's no I can't give an inch on the deity of Christ and that He is God come in the flesh. I'm dogmatic about the th- the fact that that Christ died for every man. I'm dogmatic about these things. I, there's no room for me to, to move or to waver on these things. And it's right and it's, and for someone to stand upon these things. I'm dogmatic about the King James Bible. I'm dogmatic that we have the inspired, infallible Word of God today right there in your lap. That God preserved that for us through the generations. Hey, I'm even dogmatic about being a fundamental Baptist. I'm not a Baptist on accident. Sure, I got saved in a Baptist church, but when I started studying the Bible for myself and knowing what I believed and what the Bible said, I became a Baptist. Right. And I'm, I'm dogmatic about the fact that because I align with the Baptist religion, because I call myself a Baptist, that I align myself with the history of, of Baptists to this day, and the people that were martyred for the faith, and people that are martyred for this book, and people that, were, that died for this truth. I'm dogmatic about those things. But the problem was, Job's friends were dogmatic for the wrong reasons. They presumed upon Job. And they, they put God in this box and they limited, limited God in the fact they said, the only reason that this is happening to you is because obviously there is some sin in your life. 
They're saying God is just. And so for, for, for them, in their perspective, they, put, they, they, they shrunk God. And they said, so for God to do anything other than what he's doing for you, if he's not judging sin, then he's unjust in doing so. And so the, the, the problem is with Job's friend, and I, we were going to go through a bunch of verses, but I think, I think we're, we're all, we all got the point here. The, the problem is that Job's friends were putting God in this, this, this box, right? They're putting God, they're, they're presuming upon Job, and, and so that puts Job in this precarious situation where he has to com- completely defend himself time and time again with his friends who are not much of friends, but he's having to defend himself. And so Job starts off right, right? He starts off, he, didn't, he doesn't sin foolishly with his lips. He doesn't say anything um, against God. But in the fact that he has to continue to defend himself, I mean, he's, the right thing would be to do for his friends to come and to have that pity and to mourn with him, right? We're to mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. They were supposed to come, and, and, and I've, I've learned this the hard way, that Lalo and I, we, we solve a lot of the world's problems when we're working, honestly. We, uh, but, but one phrase that keeps coming up is, is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? His, all of his friends, they knew theology. They knew. They knew. And it, it, it's crazy to me that before the law, before the written word, the, the, how much these men knew about religion and knew about God. and knew, like, They say a lot of good things. They, they, they tell them, they basically... Hey, you just got to repent about whatever that sin is in your life. You just got to ask God to forgive you, and He will. He, he, they knew He had nothing left to give. He had no sacrifice to offer or any of these things. And they, they're telling Him, hey, just get right with the Lord, and, and God will restore these things to you. You can get back with God. And, and they're telling Him these things, but what they're doing is they're presuming wrongly about what's going on. And as a preacher and as myself, I know there's lots of times that when solving the world's problem, I'm presuming upon the situation. I'm, 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 I don't have all the information. Right. Proverbs calls that person a fool who only judges from having one half of the, the information upon that. But, but lots of times, but people don't care how, about how much you know until they know how much you care. So if, if his friends would have stayed there and mourned with them and talked with them and they could have figured these things out together and, and they, could have, they could have walked through this and, 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 and sought the face of God about these things, but instead they just presumed upon the situation. <coughs> Excuse me. And so Job, again, has to go back and forth and defend himself to his friends. And, and, uh, and then Job makes some incredible pleas during this. Uh, one of those is in chapter 16 and verse 21. He says, Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. Job cries out for an advocate. Job feels under attack. He's getting attacked three ways from his friends. He feels God has deserted him and left him. He's saying, if only I could defend myself, not in front of just you guys, but I could defend myself to God. And, what God, and so I could show myself that, 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 I'm not, that I don't deserve this punishment, that I don't deserve these things. And he says, if only I had an advocate with the Father. And friends, today, we, you and I, have an advocate with the Father. There's one mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. You and I can go straight to God with our issues. We can go with boldness to the throne of God with our issues. We have an advocate. And so there's, there's one plea. And even when, when Job feels like he's been completely deserted and left from God, 
God still answers these prayers, does He not? He still answers these pleas. He still hears them. Even though Job feels completely alone and completely attacked from every side and deserted from God, God still hears them. Look at uh, chapter 19 and verse 25. Or look at verse 23. He said, Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. Hey, his, his, his words got recorded, did they not? There was a book about Job's life here. It got wrote down. And, and, and many scholars think that it's Elihu, the guy that we're going to talk about uh, momentarily. They think that he's probably the human penman that, that, that wrote the book of Job and, and uh, that, 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 that covered it and recorded all these things. But, but, but Job made this plea, and God answers this plea. And then look at verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Isn't that amazing? 2,000 years before Christ. He says, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He knows that the, that the Redeemer is coming. I just, I, I, there's just so much good stuff here. But while Job is, is sitting here and trying to defend himself to his friends, uh, chapter 23, verse 10, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. At this point, Job is... is it, he still is looking to God. He's still looking to God for these answers. And his friends continue to attack him. Um, Bilidad in chapter 25 and verse 4, How then can man be justified with God, or how can he be clean that is born of woman? And they, they continue to call Job a, a hypocrite and say that he's a liar and say that there's sin in his life. And, and Job continues to try to defend himself before, the, before these men. And, and in doing so, he begins to justify himself. And that's where, that's where Job sins. That's where Job's fault is, is that he begins to justify himself. One, justify himself to, to people who really don't matter, honestly. He's so worried about his image before his friends. He's so worried about um, how they perceive him and what is going on that he, that he, that he ends up sinning against himself. He, he ends up uh, it, trying to get them to, to pity his situation, to see that, that, that uh, he's on the, the short end of the stick about these things, and it's not his fault that all these things are happening. He, he, begins, he, he ends up sinning against God and justifying himself and incriminating God and saying that God has done unjustly to him to people that don't even matter. I mean, how, how often do we try to convey ourselves in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a situation or convey ourselves in a certain way to impress people that really don't matter? But, but Job, and, and this, is, this is where it gets a little, a little hard, but... But in all reality, as, as bad as things were for Job, it's just as much pride as it is to go out and to boast and beat on my chest as it is to, 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 to wallow in my own self-pity. There's just as much pride in the fact that I want people to feel sorry for me and everything that I do and, and woe is me and trying to get other people to pity me in my situation. There's just as much pride in that fact as there is if I were to beat on my chest and talk about all the great things that I have done and can do or, or whatever. It's, it's still the same pride. It's, it's two opposite ends of the stick, but it's the same stick. It's just as much pride. And we live in a world today that, that every little thing that happens to people is the worst thing that could possibly happen. I think of, of family members that I have, and sure, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's not a great situation, but there's people that have it way worse. 
Right? There's people that have it way worse than you and I. And the worst thing that's happened to us, yes, it's still the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And I understand that, and we should have empathy in that fact about those things. And it's good to have empathy when you are going to try to minister to those people and talk to those people. That's something Lalo's been trying to work on me on, because he's, he's all grace and I'm all judgment. So, but, but hey, it's good to have that empathy. But in all reality, people have it way worse than you. Now, not a lot of people have it way worse than Job, but people have it way worse than, than you and I. And I'm talking to, to you and I here. There's lots of people that have it way worse than us. So when, we're, we, we, when we get so consumed with our own issues and our own problems, we take our eyes off of the only one that can solve them. Right. Amen. When we, get, when we get caught up in our, in our own self-pity and, and, and trying to make this situation worse than what it is because I want people to, to feel sorry for me, that's just as much pride as it was if I was doing the opposite thing. And I don't know about you all, but I know in my life that most of my issues are my fault. It's not, I'm not a Job. It's, it's I'm, the chastening of, of the Lord, the happy is he, the Lord chastens and, and stands to be corrected. I mean, that verse was for me. I know most of the issues in my life are my fault. But, aside from that, we move on, and we meet Elihu. And so Job and his friends continue to go forth and go back, and then we get to our text, where Elihu finally, he's been sitting here, and I don't know how long he's been here, but it seems like he's, he's heard most of it, and his, uh, Job's friends no longer respond to him anymore, and, uh, because Job has justified himself in, in his own eyes, and, and so Elihu finally speaks up. And man, if you got any preacher, any preaching, you 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 like Elihu. I I love Elihu. And uh, and look at uh, verse chapter uh, chapter thirty two and verse seventeen. He said, verse seventeen. I said, I will answer also my part. I will also will show mine opinion. For I am full of matter. The spirit within me constraineth me. Behold, my belly is as wine which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles. Man, if you. There's, I, I told Pastor just this morning, man, listen to him preach, and he's sitting there just chomping at the bit, and you can tell he wants to let it rip, and I'm sitting in my seat, and I want him to let it rip, and I was like, I'm ready to preach now. Can we just skip brunch? Like, let's go. I was excited, and my, my belly was full, like, like wine in new bottles, just with no vent. It was ready, just ready to burst. I just have to let it out, and, and there's, there's been so many times where, where I overhear a conversation, and I'm like, I got something I want to add to that. Let me throw my opinion in there, and uh, but he says, verse 20, I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will not open my lips. Answer, let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person. Neither let me give flattering titles unto man, for I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. He goes, hey, God's no respecter of man, and neither am I. He goes, if I, if I even think about honoring your title or honoring your position and not telling you, thus saith the Lord, or, or what God had said, he goes, God might as well take me away, man. I might as well die if I can't say what God wants me to say because of who you think you are. And so, so Elihu gets into it, and, and he, he has a lot to say, probably more than what he needed to say. And so that's when God finally answers Job. He says, who's this man who, who cloudeth knowledge with, with earth? Who's, I'll just read it. <laughs> he said, who is, this, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? He says, hey, he said some good things, but he said a lot of it. He didn't need to say that much. He clouded the wisdom that he, that he originally 
intended for him to, to say to Job and, and to get Job some clarity, but he, but he went on for too long, like a preacher that just drags on too long. I know, I hear you. And so, uh, chapter 33, Elihu j- just uh, goes, goes into it. Uh, look at verse 14. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream and a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men and the slumberings upon the bed, then he opened up the ears of the men and sealed their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. He is chastened also with pain upon his bed and the multitude of his bones with strong pain, so that his life abhorreth bread and his soul dainty meat. His flesh is consumed away that it cannot be seen, and his bones that were not seen stick out. Yea, his soul draweth near unto the grave, and his life to the destroyers. If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand, to show unto man his uprightness, then, is gracious, then he is gracious unto him, and saith, Deliver him from going down to, to the pit. I have found a ransom. His, his flesh shall be fresher than the child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray unto God, and he will be favorable unto him, and he shall see his face with joy, and he will render unto man his righteousness. He looketh upon men, and if he, and he say, I have sinned and perverted that which was right, and it profiteth me not, he will deliver his soul from going into the pit. His life shall see the light. Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man to bring back his soul from the pit to be enlightened with the light of the living. Elihu, the first thing, the opportunity he gets, once he stops explaining who he is and why he has to say something, the first opportunity he gets, he gives the gospel in Job. He says, hey, God has found a ransom. You're on your way to hell. You're on your way to the pit. You're on your way to what you deserved and nothing happened and nothing got in the way of that. You go to hell where you deserve and God found a ransom. And he said, I will give unto him my righteousness. He says he will give his righteousness, God's righteousness to this man. He said that there's a ransom for him. He said, Job, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know much about it, but this I do know, that Christ died for sinners, that Christ died for the ungodly. And he says, there's a Messiah. There's a ransom. There's, he's going to give to him his righteousness, and that, that there's a light, and he's going to give to him uh, everlasting light to be enlightened with the light of the living. Hey, it's nothing to get excited about, but you're not going to hell. It's nothing to get excited about. You'll never go to hell. Hey, there's nothing to get excited about, but you're just going to live forever. That's all. You're just going to live forever. Nothing to get too excited about. He just died for you. You, had, you were on your way to hell with, with no excuse and no reason or no way to get out of it. And he humbled himself as a man, came down and died the death of a criminal for you. Nothing to get excited about, Job. He said, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know why this is happening to you, but here's what I do know. He said, I know that God is faithful. I know that God is holy. You look at verse, uh, chapter 34 and verse 10. Therefore hearken unto me, ye men of understanding, far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. For the work of man shall he render unto him, and cause his man to find according to his ways. Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. So what Elihu did that, that, that Job's friends didn't do is Elihu didn't... Uh, presume upon Job and why he was in this uh, situation. He didn't presume upon why all these things were happening about Job. All Elihu did was say, hey, I don't know why this is happening to you, but I know God. And I know that he will not do iniquity. And I know that he doesn't work unjustly. I know that he is right. Whatever your situation is today, I know that God is right in the way that he's dealing with it. It was quoted once this morning. I think uh, you did it. Um, Sorry. It was quoted once this morning. 
But all things work together to them that love God. The good, for good to them that love God. Them that are called according to His purpose. He doesn't do anything to hurt you. If there is chasing in your life, it's just to get your attention. It's just to call you back unto himself. He wants to have that fellowship with you. He wants to have that time with you. He wants you to know him and to be a part of him. He wants you to walk with him. And if there is hard times in your life, he's just drawing you to him. He's just trying to get you to know him better. He's not unjust in doing so. His intentions for you are good. I know the thoughts that I have have for you. Thoughts to prosper. And so Elihu, again, he goes on too long, and I'm trying not to. But notice, over and over again, Elihu keeps pointing and asking Job these questions of, of, of do you know more than God? And, do you, and can you do all these things that, that, that God, only God can do? And, and even when uh, immediately after Elihu is done talking, God shows up. Doesn't he give chan- Job a chance to respond? Uh, there's, been, there's many different ideas upon that of, of if, if it's because you know, Job had nothing to say. He knew he was right, and so he couldn't say anything. But what I think is that because Job heard from the man of God, and that's what preaching is for. Preaching is to align your eyes, align your sight, get you quit thinking about all these voices on the outside world, get you to stop trying to defend yourself or your own motives and, and the way you've done these things, but get you to hear from God, get your mind right so that you can hear from God. That's the whole point of preaching. That's the whole point of we do any of these things, that the Word of God is open and someone gives the, uh, the understanding thereof and you can hear from God. I know this is just a, a Sunday afternoon service. It's not a revival service or any of that or any special meeting or, or anything like that, and, and I'm just a builder passing through. But because the Bible has been open, because we have gathered here together, and there's two or three that have met in his name, because the Bible's open, because the word has been preached, God wants to speak to you. Are you listening? Elihu at the very end, in chapter 37, and verse 23, is touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. There was a, uh, I forget what, uh, what we were listening to or, or who even said it, but um, they asked a question. They said, many of us would, would admit that... Um, that we're not right about everything. You know, many of us were, were hum- humble enough to admit, even Baptist preachers, we, you know, I'm not perfect, we're not perfect, and so that I know that I'm wrong about something, right? Well, many of us will admit that. We're not right about everything. But when you turn that question around and ask it the other way, what are you wrong about? Right? What are you wrong about? It's, it's a lot harder question to answer. When I try to look at my life and, and what am I doing wrong? What am I wrong about? What, does need, what needs to be fixed? And that's the whole point of preaching. That's the whole point that we come here. Christians really are, are thinking is most backwards of the world because we, we know that there's something not right. And so we want to come and get right with God. And, we, we, and God gives us this, the local New Testament church and we're able to come and gather and sing praises to him and hear from God so that God can prick our hearts and show us, hey, fix that. Hey, 
you need to clean this up, or hey, you need to do a little bit better in this area in your life, or hey, you need to keep going this direction, or, or hey, maybe you don't go there, go do this. And so I'm asking you right now, it's, it's clear from the scriptures that who you're around, who your friends are, who you associate with, affect whether or not you hear from God. Okay, this is a good place to hear from God. And so, if, if nothing else, at this time, I just ask you to, to, to ask God to search your heart. I know who He is. Where do I stand in that? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You uh, for allowing us to gather here again. Lord, we thank You for um, the messages this morning. Lord, thank You for the faithful men and women of this church that come, that love You, Lord, that love preaching. And Lord, I just pray that You would speak to us, Lord. Point out things in our lives that, that we, we need to get right, Lord, things that we need to fix with you. Lord, we love you, and we just want to know you better. Lord, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brother Gus said, just uh, ask the Lord to search your heart. Um, Job was in a a rough time of life and he didn't maybe understand why all this is going on but like Elihu did he pointed him back to God and said I don't know why this is going on but I know who God is and uh, Job listened he, he heard from the man of God and and God showed up so just ask the Lord to search your heart what are what are some things that you're focusing on that you should be focusing on God instead and, and on who he is and what he's done for you so just I just uh, ask, ask you guys to search your hearts ask God to deal with you and if so just come forward and deal with it at the altar Brother Jay Amen. Thank you, Brother Gush, for the message. And it was a good day at the Lord's house today. The music was incredible today. It was just, it was awesome. Praise the Lord that we get to do this openly and freely. As we get closer to the end times, I don't know how much we get to enjoy this much longer. So enjoy it while we can. Uh, so praise the Lord. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. Um, so just some announcements. So we have the Ladies Jubilee coming uh, November 4th. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet. In the, I guess there was already a meeting for that. Uh, we have uh, Joel Travis being with us on Wednesday, October 25th. Our teen activity, uh, the Fall Praise Festival, and the fundraiser. I'm going to go ahead and get the sheet uh, put in the back here in a few minutes. Uh, sign up for that. And thank you for uh, what you guys, uh, from what I hear, you guys give a lot to that. So thank you so much. We're excited for that. And then we have the Men's Work Day coming up November 4th. Uh, just go ahead and uh, close us out. Brother Stephen, if you'll go ahead and close us out.